This episode contains spoilers for the Roku Channel original film, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. If you haven't seen the movie yet, we recommend pausing the podcast now and then coming back after you've had the chance to watch it. Of course, if you're not worried about spoilers, then feel free to proceed. But we just wanted to give you a heads up. Enjoy the show. This is the Nostalgic Future Podcast, where the past is the only way forward. We're two guys in our 40s watching the world pass us by, and we know the only way we'll ever be relevant again is to somehow convince everyone to be as passionate as we are about our pop culture obsessions. We are your hosts, Joe Cook and Chris Marchand, and today is our second Weird Al Yankovic episode, The Movies. Welcome back, everybody. This is our second part of our Weird Al Deep Dive we're glad that you can join us. Our, our first episode, we've, we've covered uh, my journey of fandom to see Weird Al for the first time. I saw him in Springfield, Illinois, and I uh, you know, got to share about my concert experience. We shared about his, uh, his music, his original songs. Today, we're discussing Weird, the Al Yankovic story, the movie, and anything else that he's done. Uh, UHF and uh, some other TV shows that he's done over the years. Joe, I have to say this. I am full of Weird Al coffee. Uh, it's called Jackson Park Espresso. Oh, that's uh, yeah. was that one of your VIP perks? That's right. That's right. So uh, when I went to the concert, and uh, you can see him on the back there, Weird Al's looking at us, and he's telling us, this is my perfect roast. Now, I don't know anything about Jackson Park Espresso. I don't know what that means. But I've been enjoying this coffee for the past uh, week or so, and uh, I'm good to go. I'm ready to go. It looks like the, the front of that looks like the cover of uh, one of his albums. Was it Weird Al? In, I think in it's 3D? Weird Al in 3D. Yeah. Weird Al in 3D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it, yeah, exactly what it is. Now, you could buy this at the concert itself, but uh, I got it as part of my part of my VIP. A couple of things about that. You know, from what I gather, Weird Al doesn't do drugs. He doesn't do he doesn't drink alcohol. And him and I share this, this in common. I'm not really a big alcohol guy myself. Uh, nor am I, and I know this is going to be a shock to the audience, nor am I big on the whole drug scene. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be shocked when they hear that, when they learn that about me. But I think Weird Al and I share a common love of coffee. So there you go. I got my Weird Al coffee. I, I'm, I feel I feel bad eating, you know, consuming it. I don't I don't eat it. I actually <laughs> do. I sit there and just eat spoonfuls of coffee. I wish if only. Uh, but I do like it's just going to be an empty bag soon. So I just I'm kind of enjoying it while it lasts, you know. Uh, how How is it? It's great. It's, I love it. It's medium. He went medium, which I like. I don't, I'm not a dark roast guy. I like I kind of light or or medium myself. Oh, I will say this. I wanted to mention this. Forgot to mention this in, in our last episode. They sold absolutely no music at this concert, right? So there's not a CD. There's not a vinyl record, not a cassette. And, and it's just kind of funny. It's just like we're just in this new era. Speaking of like an era where you have a plastic sheet in between you and the, the rock star, there was no music for sale. This is just a strange experience, right? Um, I don't quite know what to make of that other than it's just like, well, that's just, that's what artists are doing nowadays, I guess. Uh, please don't look directly at Mr. Yankovic. It's just got, to... <laughs> yeah, right. you know, I wish I had a plastic sheet between us when I met Mike Love. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I was going to request just to be really cheeky. I was going to say, listen, I want a picture of Al holding me on his lap, and I want a picture of me holding Al on my lap. Can I do that? 
because I knew that I knew the sheet was going to be between us. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I just, you know, I, I, when I get to those moments, I don't, I don't say all the things that I would have said. So I, I just kind of went with it. It was it, like you said, it was 10 seconds. Well, Al, I've drunk a few cups for you of my coffee and I'm ready to talk about your movie. Joe, did, did you just recently see the weird, the Al Yankovic story for the first time or what, what's your, what's your experience of it so far? Chris, I watched it this morning. It was, <laughs> yeah, I, I, okay. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fresh off of watching it. It was the first time I've had the chance to sit down and see it. Um, so, you know, last week, uh, my, my son and I watched UHF. Hey, Stanley. Yeah, George. How would you like your own TV show? Okay. Channel 62 needed a new station manager. No, not him. Forget it. No way. Well, this is even better than I imagined. But what they got was a man so desperate for ratings. Today, we're teaching poodles how to fly. He put anyone on the air. It's Weird Al Yankovic in UHF. Rated PG-13 starts Friday, July 21st at theaters everywhere. Uh, I wanted wanted to watch both of them in advance because I had not seen UHF in decades. Right. And so and we enjoyed it. We really did. It's a funny movie. But man, we laughed our heads off with Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Okay. Um, man, uh, the this the new movie, it, it is a funny, genuinely funny movie. Every once in a great while, I can spot a talent that I know is the future of music. But first, we gotta find you a stage name. Al Yankovic. It's long, it's hard to pronounce. So I'm just gonna throw this out there. Weird Al Yankovic. I love it. Taken the world by storm. Do I know you? Madonna, I was wondering if you were going to do a parody of my song, Like a Virgin. I'm curious, is that song autobiographical? Yes. <laughs> Except for the fact that I've had a lot of sex. Maybe one creative genius that doesn't have a checkered past involving alcohol. That's the medicine. And drugs. I think Madonna's a bad influence on you. What? No offense. I'm a train wreck. My parents wrote me off. I pushed away my band. You're all just a bunch of normals. I'm the weird one. You gotta take care of yourself. I saw in you something special. An artist with something to give to the world. In front of all the billions of people watching around the world right now, all I want to say is be as weird as you want to be. Yeah! You will never find true happiness yeah! until you can truly accept who you are. Thank you. And I didn't know what to expect. I had heard that it wasn't a traditional, obviously, like, you know, biography of, of Al, that it was a, a comedy and that it was kind of a parody of these, you know, rock biography films and that's exactly what it is it feels like a two-hour version of a weird al song it really Mm -hmm. it does feel authentic in in that way it's a genuinely just really funny movie i have to say i met somebody at the concert we were talking about the film and i was a little surprised in talking to this guy right i mean it's just a random person right so it's i mean 
I, I don't know this person, but the guy was like expressing a little bit of his disappointment at the film because it took him a long time to realize that it wasn't the real weird owl story. He was like kind of mad about it. And I, and I just thought, Oh, are, are you're being serious? <laughs> like, like I was a little bit taken aback by this guy's, you know, he was just like, well, I was sitting there watching it and he's like, well, well, this isn't true. This isn't, this didn't actually happen. I go, in my brain, I'm thinking, yeah, like, what do you, what do you think you're getting into here? They kind of make his dad, like, his dad comes across as a jerk uh, in the first, you know, right. three quarters of the movie. He's kind of mean, kind of abusive, really. And, you know, from, kind of. from I mean, he, he, you know, beat a guy, you know, senseless in the, in the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> Uh, you know, from what I understand in real life, Al's parents were probably like two of the, the kindest, sweetest people who ever lived. Yes. So yes. it was a, like, I, I have to say, like, I was genuinely like taken aback when like when that happened and and then sort of really settled into like, OK, all right, I, I get OK. I, I, I didn't know what to expect. Now I, I know okay. I know now not to expect anything <laughs> just just let okay, this yeah, yeah, let yeah. this happen and it was i mean it was it was a funny movie but it was yeah <laughs> it, it is not a traditional biopic uh by by any not stretch that. of the imagination it's yeah yeah so it's interesting i'm i really want to hear i mean this is not a movie review podcast right and this is not what this is but i'm interested to hear your thoughts like what are, what are your highlights what do you what are the standout moments for you I have not seen it through twice, but it's an okay movie for me. Like there are a lot of great moments, but it's, it's far from my favorite thing and it's just kind of okay. But I, so I'm curious what you want to make of it. What do you, what do you want to discuss about it? I, I just laughed, you know, and, and, and there's a fair question of like, well, is it a great movie or a great film? That's a different question versus did it make me laugh? And it made me laugh. It did exactly what it needed to do because I don't really expect going into a Weird Al movie for it to be a great film. UHF is is a, is a kind of a cult classic, but I don't even think UHF is a great film. It's a fun film. It's a Weird Al movie. You know, what I mean, it, UHF is, you know, it's like a, that is, you know, a ninety minute Weird Al music video is what that movie is and what it feels like. This one here. It made me laugh harder than UHF did. That's amazing. See, that's that's why I would say UHF is a great film because it made me laugh so much. And I, I mean, I don't know what to do with it. It's just I didn't laugh as much at 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 the weird movie. I didn't I didn't laugh as much. So, wait, wait, but let me ask you a question: When did you watch UHF last? You know, I, it was probably when my wife and I were dating, and uh, so this would have been, I don't know, a good a good twenty you know, 19, 20 years ago. <laughs> See, I feel like I laughed harder at UHF the last time I saw it versus right. this time. In fact, you know, I'll tell you what's funny. Uh, and this was totally my son's observation. Uh, Joey said at, 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 while we were watching it, he goes, you know, this feels a lot like Wayne's World. And it does. Now, to their credit, UHF came out three years before Wayne's World. So, um, you know, like, I mean, if, if anything, you know, they, they did it first. I think Wayne's World did it a lot better. And that's why 
you know, I think maybe that movie is remembered so much more, talked about more than UHF is. Now, I'm not knocking UHF at all. I think it's a really, really fun movie and surprisingly good for for probably, you know, I mean, it seems very low budget. <laughs> Do you know what's weird about UHF? Maybe I don't know if people have ever talked about this, but in here's my impression of UHF. Al, for the most part, is the straight man. Yeah, he is. From a comedic perspective. Hey, are you all right? It's just not fair. Come on, forget about it. It's only a mop. Only a mop. Only a mop. Uh, you don't understand. That mop was given to me for my birthday when I was eight years old. We've never been apart. Now, now I don't even have a job anymore. 15 years, they just tossed me out like an old bag of moldy tangerines. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Well, maybe you could come work for me. Really? You mean it? Sure, I guess we could use a janitor. Stanley Spadowski. George Newman. Oh, I'm mighty glad to meet you, George. Hey, I'm gonna do a really good job. You won't be sorry. I'm really gonna do a good job for you, George. I'm a good janitor. I'm a good. Wanna clean your glasses for you? No, that's. Ah, I'll make them real shiny, real shiny. Good, we're friends, huh, George? We're friends. Right, and so I think as Weird Al fans, it maybe was unexpected. So like, you have Michael Richards, you have some of these, like you know, the Mad Scientist characters. Other other people are far out there, and Al is kind of this calm and also depressed right he's a frustrated you know he, he doesn't know what to do with his life he's struggling struggling relationally and he, he's also he's also the straight man to all of these clowns which is which is strange it's strange that he did that i think that's what makes the movie work to be honest with you um which is another theory that i have about al that maybe will play into our conversations which is weird al is a serious guy <laughs> he's actually kind of a quiet you know self-reflective guy that has a lot of struggles his parents died in the last decade i, I think al's kind of has this heaviness that i'm trying to like think out think about as i watch some of his works that doesn't always come through but uhf is one of those times where it's like oh i remember uh when i interviewed him asking him if he would ever consider doing a serious album so have you ever considered just shocking the music world by putting out a serious album well all my albums are, are very serious uh, they're just, uh, I think they just, they just misunderstood by the general population. <laughs> Fair enough. And I kind of, I, I, in a way, I think he was half joking and I think he was half serious. That's amazing. That's a great answer. Right. Um, you mentioned his, his parents dying. I mean, you know, he never missed a show, right? He was on tour. Exactly. I've seen a number of interviews where he reflects on it. And I guess maybe my, my reflection on those interviews, like I've seen there's a Howard Stern one. I think Terry Gross on, on Fresh Air interviewed him. They ask him questions about it, and he just kind of shuts down a little bit. It's almost like there's a part of him that we don't get to see that side of him. He's not giving us ownership of that. And that's okay, right? He can do that. He can he can go listen. There's parts of me that I don't that, that are not for public consumption, and I respect that. Your parents died in a very strange way. You lost them because uh, uh, there was a faulty carbon monoxide um, uh, detector in the house, right? Oh. And and there was a carbon monoxide poisoning. With my parents, they uh, they had started a fire, and I guess the flue was closed. Oh. And they went to bed, and they never woke up. Oh my oh. God! You were in the middle of a tour, yeah. and you said, "Yeah, I've got to deal with this," but. People have bought tickets and you went out and performed. 
can you block that out? Can you par- compartmentalize so well that? Well, it, I, that's what I had to do. I mean, you know, um, I'm a real the show must go on kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not just me. It was like, you know, I, I travel with a band and a crew. Uh, I've, I've got you know, people out there that have changed their lives in order to come to these shows. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I just had to, yeah, I just sort of like for two hours every night, I just had to pretend like everything was okay. It was definitely really tough. I, I kind of like, you know, I, I didn't do any meet and greets. I didn't want to like hang out. No interviews. No. It was just sort of like I just kind of... You know, two hours on on stage and then just sort of like went into my own world. Did you go to a psychiatrist for that? No. Nothing? No. You didn't need help negotiating that? Well, I, I, just going on, just getting the support from the fans actually was very therapeutic. I mean, I know right. that sounds corny. No, but, not to me it doesn't. But it, it really, you know, because a lot of people have told me that, that my music has helped them during a very dark period in their life. Right. Uh, and it was, and I thought, well, maybe it can do the same for me. And it actually did. And we kind of talked about this a little bit in the last episode about, you know, fans um, sharing with him about... Uh, how much their or his music has meant to them in difficult times of their life. His music helped them get through tough times, and he decided to allow his music to do it for him. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that, that's my reflection on, on, on UHF. I mean, there, there's a, there's all these sides to him, and he's an introverted person, and yet he's had to be out there. Uh, you know, anyway, those are my reflections on UHF. I'll, I maybe have more to say because you've, you've seen it much sooner than I have. The Weird Al story, like, I, I don't know. I don't quite know what to do with it. <laughs> you know what I, I think I, I liked about it so much yeah. is once I, I kind of got, you know, the whole, once I settled into the idea that this is a send-up, this is a spoof, on sure. these, you know, these rock and roll biopics like Bohemian Rhapsody or, uh, you know, The Rocket Man, these movies like this, even like uh, there were elements of like even that thing you do, all these like famous rock and roll movies. Yeah. The, the Johnny Cash one, Walk the Line, you know? Yeah, it was a parody of these movies. And like even the end and spoiler, yeah. spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, Al dies. I mean, like he's he's assassinated at the end of the movie. And there is a uh, there's like a title card that comes on and tells you like you know he's given his speech at at the music awards which I don't know if you noticed or not he was at an award ceremony it literally there was a sign that said music awards that's what they were called <laughs> yeah. there was yeah. uh, so he's given his speech and then it just stops and it goes to black and it tells you Al was assassinated and that to me I was like oh my gosh this is the ending of the Buddy Holly story because that's how that movie ended they even like you know they just they just took elements of these things and and I loved it. I I really I enjoyed it for what it was. Is it a great sure. movie? Is yeah. it a is it a great movie? Well, no, I don't think most Leslie Nielsen movies are great movies either. But mm-hmm. I enjoy mm-hmm. them. Yeah. No, I did enjoy myself. I mean, like I particularly liked the pool scene uh with Dr. Demento and all the cameos and uh, you know, there's all these famous people Famous people playing famous people. Conan O'Brien as Andy Warhol and uh, Jack right. Black as Wolfman Jack. Well, 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 if it isn't Dr. Demento. Wolfman Jack. Who let you in here? The Wolfman goes where the Wolfman wants, baby. Ow, 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 ow. Ow! Security! Relax. I just came by to lay eyes on this cat. You've been parading around. The one who takes pre-existing musical compositions and completely changes the lyrics. He has a name, you know. And it's Weird Al Yankovic. Well then, 
Put her there, Weird Al. Ooh! Too slow. What is the meaning of this? This is me telling you that I know hit talent when I see it. And this kid ain't it. He'll never crack the top 40. He's too niche. This kid, as you call him, is the future of music. Right. Well, if he's so great, how about he comes up with a new parody song right now on the spot? <laughs> yeah, I love that scene. And there's moments, I, I guess, like, here's the problem for the movie. You want to hear my big problem with this movie? What's that? Here, I'll say this and I'll say my beef. and Then I can be done with my criticisms and, you know, Al fans can jump on me all you want. I did not like the scene with the accordion salesman. I thought it was ridiculous and overly cruel and it wasn't funny. It was like, it was, it was anti-funny to me. Like there was nothing funny about that. That was absolutely brutal. I mean, it was a brutal scene and it was the most, absolutely most jarring scene of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? And hello to you, sir. What are you doing in my house? And why is my innocent young child wearing that devil's squeeze box? That's actually our newest- I thought I told you to shut up! I don't remember you telling me to shut up before, but if you're telling me now, I will gladly- Dad! this evil into the house and now look at you look at you take that devilish monstrosity off this very instant i don't want to see you ever wearing it again nick why don't you go take a little walk i think you'd better cool off yeah yeah i could use some fresh air because it stinks in here now if they're trying to send up the, the extreme biopic of the, you know, the father figure that's abusive or made life miserable. Like there's a, there's a recent movie of, uh, of Marilyn Monroe. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this with, with Anna de Armas and it's a three hour movie. It's really intense. It's artistic. It's out there. Um, that movie really goes into her mother's abusiveness and mental health issues. I get it. Right. It's a part of biopics to, to do this. Um, I guess. So I understand what he's doing. And I'm also sitting there going, why am I, why am I being forced to watch this? I, 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 it's not funny. It's disturbing. Like if the joke is to think about extreme biopic films, I, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. It didn't work. The cruelty of it did not work. Did you recognize his dad? Do you, do you, do you, the actor who played his dad, did you remember him from anything? He seems vaguely familiar. Was he in, was he in uh, Breaking Bad? <laughs> Uh, so as soon as he came on screen, he's a lot older now. And I'm looking at it. And I'm staring at him. I'm going, I know this guy. And then it was like, oh, my gosh, it's the Wiz. <laughs> do, do you remember on Seinfeld when e Elaine was dating? Uh, it, it was a, he was he was dating this guy. <laughs> and and everybody that met him were they were just absolutely all like, like starstruck. Or there there was like they would look into him and his eyes would like start like sparkling and they would just get lost in his eyes. I mean, when Jerry met him, he gets lost. And then Jerry finds out he's flip he's like flipping through TV. And Elaine's boyfriend is the pitch man for Nobody Beats the Wiz. Like the uh was it like an electronic store? That guy Elaine's dating seems really familiar to me. I think he might be a comedian I worked with one time. Wait a second, what what, what is this? 
This weekend, nobody beats The Wiz is slashing prices on our entire stock. Nobody beats me because I'm The Wiz. Yes, I'm The Wiz. I'm The Wiz. That is the guy. Elaine's in love with The Wiz guy? No, she thinks she's in love with him, but she's just remembering this old commercial. That's pretty pathetic. And uh, and he's this big, he, you know, tall, goofy guy who wears a, a crown on his head. He's like, I'm The Wiz. Nobody beats The Wiz. I don't know who that guy is. I don't know what his name is. All I know is he's the whiz. Funny. <laughs> I, for some reason, that that those episodes are not sticking in my brain, but I I see him now. Yeah, that's so crazy. That's crazy. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's the only other thing I know that guy did. It was like it's the whiz. <laughs> Nobody beats him. Well, then you know he obviously has some comedy chops in his background. You know, and I mean there were elements of it. Like I liked you know the whole like the whole factory thing. Like you know. You gotta. You could work at the factory with me. I mean, I get it. Some of that stuff was funny. Like I enjoyed it, you know. And the devil squeeze box, you know. <laughs> and uh, there, there are lots of elements of the movie that I do like for sure. Alfie, aren't you going to ask your father how his day was? Um, how was your day, Dad? Well, how was my day? We had another fatality down at the factory. Oh, we had a real grisly one this time. It was the McKinley kid that started last week. Kept telling him to stop messing around by that industrial shredder, but he just wouldn't listen. And I would have reached out and grabbed him, but I already lost one hand to that cursed machine. Well, anyway, there's an opening down in the factory floor. Maybe I could pull a few strings and you could spend the summer working with your old man. How's that sound? Um, no thank you. No thank you. Well, you're going to have to learn sooner or later that factory, the factory will make a man out of you. But I don't want to work at the factory. I want to make songs. What? You want to make songs? Did you hear that, Mary? Oh, we got a regular Bing Crosby on our hands, don't we? Nick, you're embarrassing him. The one scene in the movie I thought was really funny and clever was the polka party scene when he was in high school. Yeah. Okay, dude, okay. <laughs> Al, here, you got to try this. Oh, no, 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 thanks. I'm good. I was afraid his mommy and daddy are gonna find out he tried an accordion. <laughs> I just don't want to play, okay? Just, just lay off me, man. No, guys. I'm not gonna... They turned polka into the rock and roll of the movie. It was this rebellious thing, and you know he got you know arrested because the police came and broke up a polka party. Yeah, I, I just I I got a kick out of that. I thought like things like that were really funny. I understand exactly what you're saying about the beating the salesman scene. It was just absolutely jarring. If there's anything about it that I guess I get is it was very early in the movie. And it was a just absolutely shocking way 
to let you know this movie is not anything that you're expecting it to be. <laughs> like, right, right. Like, right, we right. are just going to like rattle you in your seat right here, and then like, because it did for me. I was just sitting there, like, like Joey and I are watching, like, what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, it, yes. The movie is full with all kinds of silly. It, it is silly, even though it's violent. I guess maybe again, I I can get to some of the parts that I I liked about it in a minute. Uh, there there are other scenes like later on when I guess here's what I don't know what to do with this film is I know what it's doing like it's parodying biopics and you know the the hard rocking lifestyle of some of our favorite rock stars, but when Al finally like loses his way right. He's given himself over to Madonna fully. He's on drugs. He's he's like, he can't even perform. His band is abandoning him. <laughs> I know, right? Oh. Hey, 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 the king is here. Let's get this party started. Dude, soundcheck was supposed to start like three hours ago. Well, I wasn't here three hours ago, so we're starting now. Al, are you drunk? I'm not drunk. You're all drunk. No, this is pointless. Hey, man. Why don't you just get out of here? I need to get out of here? You need to get out of here! Hey, whoa, 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 guys! Al, look, it's the first show of the tour tonight. It's kind of a big deal. Do you think you could maybe not screw this up for everybody? Oh, what, what, what are you gonna do? Fire me? You, you guys are nothing without me. Yeah, I could replace you with a drum machine. And you with a guitar machine. And you with a... I don't know, with some other machine. You're all just a bunch of normals. Okay, I'm the weird one. I am the weird one. I know what's happening, but it's just not that funny to me. Like, it was just like, yeah, it, it, it's it's that biopic moment where, where like, the, you know, Johnny Cash, like, you know, he's losing everything, right? And he's going to have to spend years in rehab now. It was just like, yeah. So that that's what was funny about it, I guess. I think it was a comedic experiment that didn't always work for me. So it gets increasingly outlandish, you know, where you know, at one point in the movie, you know, he he murders, you know, or he, I guess he assassinates Pablo Escobar. He kills him. Um, yeah. There, yeah. you know, there, I mean, and, 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 you know, again, spoiler alert, Madonna ends up, you know, putting the hit out on Al. I mean, they, they essentially, they made, <laughs> they made Madonna the villain of the movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Now that's funny. How can I how can I dislike that? I mean, that's you know, I'm, I'll applaud that. The one joke that honestly I it tickled me. I, I really, really liked, and it was a running joke through the movie, was that Al wrote Eat It and Michael Jackson he he did a par a parody called Beat It. <laughs> so it's true what they're saying. You're not doing parodies anymore. My song, Eat It, which as you know, is 100% original, is the biggest hit by anybody, ever. So I've decided that's all I want to do from now on. Completely original songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I enjoy those elements for sure. Yeah, and I, I think there was an, enough of that stuff throughout that I did laugh hard throughout the movie. Again, I mean, of course, some of it is just stupid. But, and it is, I mean, it's a dumb movie. But it's a for me. It was a very fun, dumb movie. I, is it a movie yeah. I would go watch again? No, probably not. I'll probably never watch it again. But I enjoyed it when I did. I'm watching through it for a second time now, so I'll let you know. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it twice at least. 
what I, I liked was because, uh, you know, obviously Daniel Radcliffe uh, plays Weird Al Yankovic. And I, I when they announced the movie, Weird Al, he tweeted out that, you know, this is he has no doubt that this is going to be the movie that Daniel Radcliffe is remembered for. Yeah, that was a good PR thing. Now, I met a couple of fans at the at the concert that still were none too pleased that this Harry Potter guy was playing Weird Al. And again, like, I, I guess for that, I just want to like say, come on, you know, this whole thing is a joke, right? So it's like the song Albuquerque, right? It's like, well, it's 14 minutes long, 13 minutes long. It's meant to rile you up a little bit. I think that's part of the joke. It's like, this is ridiculous, right? <laughs> you're, not, you're not supposed to like this, you know? Um, the only thing like about Daniel Radcliffe in it to me was I, I it, it was not believable at all when he was lip syncing Al, <laughs> like it was Al's sure. voice coming out of him when he, when he was singing and it was like so bad. But at the same time, that was almost part of the charm of it for me. Cause again, they're, they're, they weren't making, you know, Casablanca. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. You know, I, I would say maybe, I think you mentioned this, but like one of the better scenes in just terms of how it was edited and how they, processed it the whole thing was the my bologna scene right yeah and yeah i just think like as, as a sequence you know like i would show that maybe as like one of the key scenes of the of the film because just how it was edited together and how al you okay got chills i don't know it just came out of me i've never heard anything like that before in my life you have to record that record it no come on guys oh you've got something here i don't know if it comes from god or the devil but the world needs to hear it i mean again like it, it, this is where it truly was clever of how it played off of some semblance of reality and yet the whole thing was just made up right and it was, it was beautiful how they did that the uh, the scene at the end at the dinner table with his father where you, you know, everything's good now. We forgive his father for, you know, beating a guy half to death and abusing his son his entire life. <laughs> we uh, in that scene, of course, like we learn that, you know, it's all because he had been Amish and and, and he had been excommunicated because he had uh, <laughs> an accordion when he was a kid. I grew up Amish lived in the community for the first 16 years of my life and frankly I don't think I ever really fit in because well if I'm being honest it was just as weird as you when I was a kid yeah I even made up new words to the hymns that we sang during church service that didn't go over too well and then when I was a few years older I was able to go on rumspring I finally had a chance to go out into the great big world and see what it had to offer. And that's when I saw the love of my life, a 1933 Excelsior. 
the finest accordion there ever was. Cost me every penny I had in the world, but it was worth it. So wait, 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 you had an accordion. I did, I did, I did. I was pretty good at it too. I was not bad, I was not bad at all. The thing about that scene that to me, the, really the two scenes involving his dad at the end, the one scene at the, at the factory, as far as the factory scene goes, I felt like, okay, like there's absolutely like his father comes in and just decides that all of a sudden now he's fine with everything. And, and they, what are you doing here? What am I doing here? Really? All my life, all I've wanted to do is please you. But I was never enough. You were always disappointed in your weird son. So yeah, I gave up the most successful career in music history to come work at this miserable factory because it's what you've always wanted and what it is still not enough for you. I appreciate what you're doing. Oh my God, this isn't a life for you. Oh, what? so I'm, I'm not even good at turning cranks now. No, Alfred, that's not what I'm saying. But what are you saying then? I was wrong to stand in your way. This isn't what you were meant for. You're special. You're Weird Al. And you're my son. I'm, uh, I'm proud of you. Like, there was, it, there was absolutely no, um, reason for him to have a change of heart, but they just knew they had to do it, so they did it. Like, it was just lazy, but because the movie is so goofy and dumb and silly, it kind of just worked. The scene at the table, I thought, well, this scene is purely just so they can, like, force the song Amish Paradise into the movie. <laughs> like, Hitching up the buggy, churning lots of butter, raise the barn on Monday, soon I'll raise another. Think you're really righteous? Think you're pure in heart? Well, I know I'm a million times as humble as thou art. I'm the pious guy, the little omelets wanna be like on my knees day and night, scoring points for the afterlife. So don't be vain and don't be whiny, or else my brother, I might have to get medieval on your hiney. There's no other reason for this scene to exist other than they wanted this song in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh... You know, and that's maybe part of the the clever parts of it. But you're right. Like then they they show Daniel Radcliffe, you know, dressed up like that, and it's that's the kind. You know, those are kind of weird moments of the film, like where he's actually performing as Al. You know, he doesn't even lip sync good. It's just right. right. Like, like it it doesn't even it doesn't even look convincing. Yeah, yeah. Little quick little thing here. I saw a little inter- interview snippet, a recent interview. He was interviewed. Uh, with Hawaiian television because he's going to be going there as part of his tour. Uh, they they might be in the works of doing another Weird Al film. Now, I don't I have zero ideas of what that might mean, but I think they're they're interested in making more. Uh, and, and it's on the Roku channel. It's free. You can watch it right now. Um, it, it might be the first ever biopic with a sequel. We don't know yet. Ooh, okay. That's a good little teaser. Uh, okay, so stay tuned for that. We'll let you know if the second Weird Al movie comes out. So, like, it seems like there's some kind of open door there with him and the Roku channel. Well, at the at the end of the film, his hand comes out of the grave and grabs Madonna, you know. So I'm thinking this could yeah. be the sequel. It could be the, yeah, Weird 2. <laughs> weird part 2. Yeah, there's more, more to the story. Um, I, I was just going to say really quickly, running joke for us, Roku, we're always looking for sponsors, right? <laughs> 
we're all one of these days we're one of these people that we like we're gonna bait with uh with a sponsorship they're gonna be like listen buddies listen fellas we just we just we have some money to throw out there and they're gonna throw money our way i'm pretty sure that's gonna happen soon since i doubt that is going to be roku i i will take <laughs> this as an opportunity to uh to gripe um did you watch the movie as soon as it came out or did you wait a while it was probably like two weeks, you know, because I, I'm I'm in school and I can't always just get to things like I want to. It's a couple of weeks. When you watched it, were there commercials? <sighs> there probably was just at the beginning, but not in the middle. I don't think so. Okay. You know, it's been out a couple months now because I, I think when it first came out, I remember seeing it was sponsored by whatever and they had released it and you could watch it ad free. That is not the case anymore. I watched it and it is... I don't know. There, to me, there's nothing more annoying than watching a movie on streaming that has commercials interrupted, especially because the, the thing with the movie Weird is there were many spots in that movie where it naturally would have worked to go to a commercial, but instead they just cut to commercial in the middle of a scene. And it was just the most annoying, aggravating experience. Uh, watching that this morning, that, that was the absolute biggest part of it that I hated was watching it on the Roku channel. And so I guess all I'm saying from that is, if you're going to be the only place where you can see a movie, for the love of God, could you please just show it without commercials interrupting it every 10 minutes? Because I have no other, there's there's no other option for me to go like, you know, like it's, it's a Roku exclusive movie. So like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the ad experience just was was terrible. But other than that, I, you know, it's a free movie. I shouldn't complain too much. Well, I knew we were right on the cusp of a sponsorship until you had to had to bring all that up. You know, I know. I was just, it was uh, it was I I just went in and I yeah I blew it all up, man. It was a kamikaze. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, right now, though, I am enjoying this delicious racks sandwich. And uh, I know, oh, I, I, I get them. I get them mail order to my house. I'm I, every every couple of weeks. I just order some rack sandwiches from Joliet, Illinois. Mm, tasty stuff. Right. 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 They come in dry ice and they cut. Yeah, exactly. So, somebody, you know, hand delivers them. It's beautiful. Racks. We love you. It racks roast beef. Uh, and my, my offer still stands. Come on, sponsor this show. And I will eat my first roast beef sandwich in a decade. It was it was 2013 when I stopped eating beef. I haven't had any beef yeah. in 10 years. Let's end that streak this year with a Rax roast beef sandwich. There you go. There you it's, go. Up, it's up to you, Rax. The ball is in your court. <laughs> the beef is in your court. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, anything else uh, with, with a weird or anything you want to touch on with UHF? Um, I, you know, I, I had a few notes. There's nothing here. Like, like, I mean, you know, I, I wrote the the word absurd, absurd, you know, was the, the, you know, the word that stood out to me to describe the movie as a whole. One of my favorite jokes in the entire movie, they made the joke twice. He said it in the beginning and then they said it again at the music awards at the end. And uh, they, they said that uh, his goal was to be the most famous accordion player in a very specific genre of music. <laughs> the award you've all been waiting for in the category of perhaps not technically the best but arguably the most famous accordion player in an extremely specific genre of music 
And the award goes to... Which, uh, I, I, you know, I kind of just love that it's a little self-deprecating because, and we talked about this in our, our last episode a little, like, like what is Weird Al's genre? I mean, name five other artists who do, you know, what he does, you know, and, and I know they're out there, but I can't name them. You know, I mean, I know, like, you know, I, 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 I think like Alan Sherman. <laughs> like, Hello, mother. Hello, father. Here I am at Camp Granada. Camp is very entertaining, and they say we'll have some fun if it stops raining. You know, and I guess I didn't grow up listening to Dr. Demento, did you? No. I, one of the guys that I met at the concert said that he grew up in the Chicago area, uh, but, you know, about 10, 15 years older than me, you know, and a guy in his 50s. He said there was a radio station in the Chicago area that would play Dr. Demento. <laughs> Radio. Westwood One presents the Dr. Demento Show. Two hours of mad music and crazy comedy from out of the archives and off the wall. Rare records and outrageous tapes from yesterday, today. I mean, that's the thing for me is there was no way for me to hear that. So, you know what? I think you said, did I listen to the VH1 behind the music? I think I maybe did. I think I did watch it. And that's where I learned about Dr. Demento. In 1973, a friend turned Alfred onto Dr. Demento's nationally syndicated radio show. Alfred was immediately hooked to the doctor's world of weird and wacky music. The, the kind of comedy songs that I used to listen to on the Dr. Demento show. And just imagine, you know, just the most bizarre things happening. It's, it's like, you know, listen to a Spike Jones record and it's like a circus in your mind. I feel like I'm 70 years old talking about, yeah, in the 40s we didn't have TV and we used to listen to the radio. But, you know, there's a certain magic to listening to the radio. Alfred was soon submitting songs to the doctor's demented operation. The doctor found charm in Alfred's cheaply recorded accordion-powered ditties. In 1976, I just happened to get an envelope in the mail one day from Alfred Yankovic of Linwood, California. When I first got this tape, it had nothing written on it. Sixteen-year-old Alfred had hit pay dirt with a song called Belvedere Cruising. It was a, a song that Al wrote about driving around the streets of Linwood in his parents' Plymouth Belvedere. It got voted into my top ten most requested songs. And his stuff just kept getting better and better from there. That was way off my radar. I mean, how was I ever going to discover something like that, right? But yeah, yeah. You know, another thing uh, that I that I liked in the movie that you know I, I jotted down. It was one of my favorite lines of the movie, and it was they. I think it was Doctor Demento, was played by uh, Rain Wilson, who was kind of his manager in the movie too told him that led zeppelin wants to reunite to open for you okay well um we have some very exciting offers pouring in that i would love to that I, oh that i would love to discuss God, with good love to discuss with you we got some mm. some great calls uh oh, very interesting nice? led oh. zeppelin oh, wow. uh is thinking about getting back together but they say the only way they'll do it is if they can open up for you on tour I mean, well, that's sweet, but yeah, I already offered the gig to Howie Mandel, so. Mm. 
Okay, yeah, but this is perhaps Look, the... I am not bumping Mandel for Zeppelin, okay? Pass. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I think that was my favorite line of the movie. There you go. That, that is a good. I'll, I'll grant you that. See, so there was, a, there was a lot. There was enough little things like that that I just enjoyed myself. You know. Yeah, yeah. I will say this: you were you were talking a, a minute ago about musical genres and Al's talent and his band's talent. We've talked about that in the first episode. Um, I, I wonder if like, I mean I remember hearing this story recently. Al talking about another one rides the bus, right? You know the Queen parody, and he said part of the the history behind that is him realizing that playing the accordion to that song is what what is a part of what makes that song work, right? Is that the song works as a parody on the accordion, and because it's this it's this um, see I can't even remember the name of the original the original tune. What's the Queen song? Oh, another one. Called? Another one bites the dust. No one bites the dust. See, this is what happens. Al supersedes our brains. We can't remember the original versions. And there was a great scene in the movie at the that party when he writes that song. And the uh, the the bassist from Queen is there, and nobody knows who he is, which is like, oh right, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, Roger, right? Isn't his name Roger? I can't, the uh, worst. The worst part is I can't even remember his name. Roger Taylor is the drummer, right? Oh, oh Roger. Yeah, you're right. And then yeah. Brian yeah, yeah, May is yeah, the yeah. guitarist. I can't remember the bass. Name. We can't remember the the poor. Well, he's he's not in the band anymore anyway. He's, no, he, he stopped playing. And and he and and I believe he is the one who primarily wrote or he definitely came up with the riff of that song. You know the the famous bass line, boom, 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 right, boom, boom, right. boom, boom, boom. So it was funny to have him in it, but right. it was it was it was good because even even everybody at the party there just stares at him. And he has to explain to them who he is. Do another one bites the dust. <laughs> that seems fitting. Who said that? I did. John Deacon. Queen. I, pl I play the bass in Queen. Ah. That's funny, yeah. Uh, so, all I really meant to say is, it, 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 Al as a phenomenon is amazing because of the accordion. And the fact that, like, so, there's something that clicked. I mean, if Al was just a guitar player, I don't know that it, it would have happened in the same way. But Andy, we, we were talking about, and Andy, you said you went to uh, one of uh, Al's I've seen shows, Al in concert a number of a times. A number of times. And you said the thing that really took you by surprise was just, you said the show was excellent, but Al's accordion playing is off the chart. It's fantastic. Yes. It's not a gag. You are an accomplished accordion well, player. Well, I know how to play. I'm sure there's like 13-year-olds in Ukraine that play accordion better than me, but I, I do okay. <laughs> right. I do okay. My, my parents uh, decided, there was a famous accordion player named Frankie Yankovic. No relation, but he was America's polka king. Uh, and my parents decided there should be at least one more accordion playing Yankovic in the world. Because your family reasoned that because you have the same last name as a famous accordion player, their child must play the accordion. That's it, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's intense. And so you, you took it very seriously. You got good. I, yeah, yeah, I got okay with it. And so I think that part of his comedic persona is the accordion, and, and he's done things with it that like has been unexpected. So he is. He, he I, I mean, he is the world's most famous accordion player, isn't he? Not only in a very specific genre. I mean, yeah, I would say so. He's 
again, the only two accordion players I can name are both named Yankovic. So, <laughs> and I can only and I can only name Frankie because I knew Al first. See, see, there you go. <laughs> um, now, That's funny stuff. Now, here, here's a here's a question for you. So, are you a fan of? novelty music you know comedy songwriting is that something that because i gotta be honest with you like i'm not really into it all that much like i know a lot of people uh like uh was it who's the guy that bo burnham kind of does that right i can't stand bo burnham i i don't i can't i can't either he dries me up the wall if you'd have told me I remember when his uh, his Netflix special came out and people were like, oh, this is so moving. And I got like three minutes into it. I'm like, I'm done. I am crawling up the walls here. Dude, I got about five minutes. I, I just didn't yeah. get it. It wasn't for me. I didn't find it funny or engaging. Nope. Just nope. wasn't wasn't into it. But even the there's a the guy that you you do like that Nate Eichelman introduced you to. Well, what's his name? Oh, yeah. Nick Lutzko. Maybe yeah. in fairness, I need to watch more. I've I've watched a couple songs and I'm just, yeah, like it's okay. Like, I I don't know. Right. Like, you know, sometimes I just like it reminds me of like who was the guy? Like, this is like probably before us, but you know, like, you, like remember that like political satire like back in the day? You know, the guy singing political songs on the piano and it was real hokey. And I cheap. know who you're talking about. On questions controversial, my response is often mystical. It's best to be equivocal and shun reply statistical. On both sides of a question, I can speak with brash impunity. And I can sing a different song and please each damn community. I plan to say what pleases every different kind of resident until I con enough of them to vote for me as president. In short, because I bear in mind that winning's very critical, I am the very model of a candidate political. Like a lot of times when I see, you know, comedic music, it kind of feels hokey to me like that. And I just, it doesn't really make me laugh. Al makes me laugh. I, you know, I don't know. He hits that sweet spot of just absurd enough, but also just like he is warped. He's, he's a, he's a, he's, he's a little off kilter with weird Al. Like it feels like, um, it doesn't feel like Al is trying to be funny. And a lot of those guys, they do feel like to me, like, okay, he's trying to make me laugh. Al doesn't have to try. It's just organic. It just happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else could ever write a song like Albuquerque. Oh yeah, three of the airplane engines burned out. We went into a tailspin and crashed into a hillside. The plane exploded in a giant fireball and everybody died. Except for me. You know why? Because I have a tray table up. And my feet back in the full up. Right position. Have a tray table up. And my feet back in the full up. Right position. To me, Albuquerque is a thoroughly engaging song that should not be. Like, everything about it should not work. And, it, and, it, and yet it does. And I don't know. I don't know yeah. if very many people could do that. Right. Right. Okay. So let me say this. I, I agree with you hundred percent. 
At the same time, there are moments when I don't find Owl all that funny. And I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to figure that out. And it hasn't really been with his music lately that, that I mean that in. Um, but I, I started to watch the Weird Owl show, which is like this kid's TV show. Did, did you did, Have you seen that? It's probably been a long time if you have. Okay. So what I remember is Owl TV growing up. Do you remember Owl oh, TV yeah. at all? That was on like, uh, was that on MTV? I think that he would like take over Maybe. MTV. And I remember Al TV and, and loving it. I don't think I've ever seen the Weird Al show, which is a okay. totally, totally different show, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure this was like on CBS on Saturday mornings. It was a kid's show. Oh, this is a story about a guy named Al, and he lived in a sewer with his hamster pal. But the sanitation workers really didn't approve, so he packed up his accordion and had to move to a city in Ohio where he lived in a tree. And he worked in a nasal decongestant factory, and he played on the company bowling team. And every single night he had a fringe recurring dream where he was wearing leader hosen and a vat of sour cream. But that's really not important to the story. Al TV is when he interviewed celebrities. Yes. So this is that. Yeah, that's when he's <laughs> okay. So when he's interviewing Madonna about her sex book. Um, let me ask you about your literary career. You know that book you wrote a couple of years ago? Well, I bought a copy of it last week at a garage sale, and all the pages were stuck together. What's up with that? <coughs> anyway, what I wanted to know is, have you ever considered writing a book that didn't have naked pictures of you in it? Yeah. I could see doing something like that. Well, that would be a novelty. That was not on a kid's show. <laughs> okay. That was not a kid's show, yeah. Okay. The Weird Al show is, to me, the, maybe the problems with it is, is it's very absurd and kind of, it's zany, but it's also very much like Pee-wee's Playhouse, and it feels a bit too much like Pee-wee's Playhouse, but none of the magic is there. <laughs> It's generally enjoyable because Al is there and I love Al. And there are some funny moments. Uh, Patton Oswalt, by the way, shows up in the first episode, which is really surprising. He's in the movie, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's great. We, you know, I mean, it's Patton Oswalt, so I, I like him. Oh, hey, Spike. Hey, Seymour, Seymour. Uh, Al, that's uh, Seymour, Seymour Al. Uh, he's in the club. Oh, hey. Uh, What's that goop on you? Chocolate. You know, the secret club thing. <laughs> what is he talking about? And and what happened to your eyebrow? Oh, I, I shaved it off for the club initiation. <laughs> what initiation? You know, the club initiation. There's no initiation. We don't even have any other guys in the club yet. What are you saying? Wait a second. Did you just make all this stuff up? Well, yeah, making stuff up is cool. You mean to tell me I ripped up my favorite pair of pants, plunged myself into a vat of chocolate, shaved off my eyebrow, blew off one of my friends, put on bunny ears, and let you destroy my home? Also, you would think I was cool, and you were just making it up? Yeah. I am such a fool! I knew this guy wasn't one of us. Let's get out of here. Where did you meet this loser? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, like th there are times when the absurdity doesn't always work for me for Al when he's pushing it. And it's just like, yeah, this is just absurd, but it doesn't land in the right way. Like, mm -hmm. where I just go, yeah, OK, that's fine. I mean, I, you know, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But sometimes absurdity is hard to keep pushing if it's all you've got. But it's, I mean, it's obviously not all that Weird Al does have. But uh, I think maybe that's why other people just don't get into him because he's just too out there sometimes. Like like Albuquerque, they, they don't want to be in on the joke 
of Albuquerque. <laughs> They're like, come on. All right, I'm moving on to something else, right? Now, I think maybe it was you mentioned Al shouldn't have to be doing the same thing, uh, you know, at this point in his career. From what I understand, I think Al, hasn't he even said that he may never do another parody song? He hasn't done an album in seven or eight years now. So I think in, in some ways he kind of is, you know, looking, I think, at, at new and different things. Mm -hmm. along with i think this tour being you know one of the big ones you know just choosing to do the songs that he wrote you know kind of putting the parody stuff yeah. aside you when you were talking about um you know weird al not always making you laugh what i will say uh where i can relate to that is a lot of those parody songs that i thought were hilarious as a kid are just kind of goofy to me now and they're not really all that sure. funny some of them still work for sure. I mean, some of them are great, but a lot of them are just kind of almost like at this point, they feel like album filler. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. There's some of those parodies that are more recent or, or kind of, you know, not quite those early parodies, but like, like some of, some of his hip hop parodies don't connect with me. Like all about the Pentiums. I'm just like, yeah. Pretty fly for a rabbi. Well, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed that one. There was a line in that that I I did not remember that was hilarious, and it was like, oh, it was uh, it was about uh, the moil getting to keep the tip. When he's doing a bar mitzvah, now that you shouldn't miss, he'll always slip on down for a wedding or a bris. They say he's got a lot of chutzpah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was listening to that this week, and I, I totally like I laughed out loud at that line. You see, see, that's where the absurdity works for me. Like th that's where it's like this is so ridiculous that a, that a, that a rabbi would be singing this song, and that it's hip hop. That I go, yep, yep, this works for me. Total, like I love that song actually. <laughs> here, but here, here's a question for you. You said, well, like yeah. you know, how is it that this guy went on to have a career after my Bologna? And I think this is where we have to like look at the context and the time that this happened. Is there a Weird Al if Weird Al had not come on the scene in the early 80s at the beginning of MTV, music, video, television? A lot of those songs that are kind of silly and goofy that maybe don't hold up when you listen to the album. Well, when I was growing up, uh, especially in the 80s and early 90s, I didn't have a Weird Al album. You know, I didn't own any of the stuff. What I knew was every time one of his music videos came on, I loved it. And so to me, like a lot of the songs that are maybe even sort of mediocre parodies were hilarious music videos. Uh, and it, it really added something to them. Is there a Weird Al today of the legend Weird Al if there was no MTV, you know, mm -hmm. in, in 1983? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I do think, like again, this is an alternate history. I think a Weird Al could come about today because of YouTube culture, because things going viral, you know, somebody shares whatever the unique idea. Um, I think there's ways that he could have like a guy like him could have broken through today. But I don't think without MTV back in the day, he would have done it. Right. It, would, it wouldn't have been possible. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And, and when yeah. you think about it, it's also kind of amazing that they played it. 
I mean, it, it, there there was yeah. there was a pro, you know, there could have easily been a programmer there who just looked at it and said, this is ridiculous and just tossed the tape. You know, I don't know how he got yeah. that exposure. Yeah. Let me say this. What's weird about his persona is he seems like a parody of a nerdy guy. Like he seems to be so over the top nerdy. <laughs> Like I'm talking about that early like eighties persona with the, with the mustache and the glasses and his hair seems overly permed. Right. It's like, it's so, it's so early. He had those um, like, I don't even know what you call them, but those slip on shoes that with the elastic and they're, you know, they're, they were always funky designs. Yeah. The Hawaiian shirt. I mean, I, iconic. <laughs> the Hawaiian shirt. And then you can start to realize you like, I mean, maybe what's funny about him is, something authentic shines through where you're kind of like, I think maybe this is actually him. And so the whole experience of him early on is so strange uh, because, because then you're like, I think it's just a real guy, but yet he's weird. And he, he looks like he's like a living clown and yet it's just him. And, and, you know, and then you realize, Oh, he's a really sensitive guy. Actually. He's, he's sensitive. He's introverted. He's quiet. And there's just so many elements to him that is so bizarre that I think it just ends up working. Just ends up working. Um, I'll say this. I'm sad. I, I actually I don't care about another parody. I don't care. He doesn't have to do another parody. He's getting old. Whatever. I mean, come on. If he were to just do an album of originals, fans would go wild for it. So that's what I maybe don't understand. It's kind of like the Billy Joel question. It's like, really? There's not, you know, you don't have 10 more funny songs that you can write. Or serious songs, I don't know. Whatever, I think I think I would love to hear another Weird Al album without any parodies. I don't care. Like, okay, you know, yeah. so you mean you mean like why hasn't Billy Joel put out an album in thirty years? Um, yeah. Now, now here's a question for you. Did you know that Al? Well, Al did eventually. He parodied Piano Man on on you know a later album. But did you know early on in his career, Al parodied a Billy Joel song that was never released? Are you familiar with that? No, uh, yeah, yeah, please tell me. I don't think I do. Okay, so this, and I have a little bit of a personal anecdote with this that I'll share with you, but Al parodied It's Still Rock and Roll to Me, and it was <laughs> It's Still Billy Joel to Me. And okay. we were talking about like uh, Smells Like Nirvana, and we were talking uh, 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 and uh, Achy Breaky Song, and how Al has occasionally had these songs that were kind of ripping apart the original that he's he's parodying well he did that with a billy joel song and it was <laughs> it was pretty rough what's the matter with the tune he's right well you know it's gonna be a smash it's so nice when you're a big name artist doesn't matter if it sounds like trash now everybody thinks a new wave of super class when the rock that or even out now i had a chance <laughs> uh, 1996 was apparently that was my year as a weird al fan because i saw weird al in may of that year and i saw him again in august of that year and i after our last episode i remembered that i i had another sort of encounter with al sort of in, in between those two concerts, in July of 1996, uh, you remember back in the day, um, you know, this is like during the days of dial-up internet, the big one would be America Online. They would do these, like, celebrities would go on America Online and they would do chats. 
and fans could go on and, and, and type in a question and then the celebrity would answer a bunch of them. So in the mid nineties, I wasn't on AOL. I was on prodigy. Do you remember prodigy, Chris? I mean, yeah, the fire starter. No, uh, uh, actually weird Al in, in the weird Al show. He does a funny parody of the, the band, the prodigy. I vaguely remember what prodigy is as an internet thing. I was never on, I was on AOL and Netscape. But I don't know about Prodigy enough. Is that new seafood chain as good as they say? Does that new bestseller on investing have any good tips? Does anyone out there understand algebra? Is London a good place for a 10-year-old? Can anyone help me out? Does anyone else out there think athletes' salaries are outrageous? I 12 bed and breakfast If anymore. you've got questions and are looking for real answers and opinions... How do we tell our child there's another child on the way? Then you should connect to Prodigy and share the personal experiences of over a million and a half people. Prodigy. The network of active minds. There was a bunch of CompuServe, Juno, right, right, right. <laughs> but but Prodigy um, was the one that you know our family had for a few years, and Weird Al was doing a Prodigy chat, and my cousin, who the same one who ended up going uh, in August of that year to go see Weird Al with me, he was over at my house the uh, weekend or whenever when Al did that chat. And we went on and we asked him a couple questions. And I actually found the transcript of that chat is still archived on the internet. And uh, it was uh, from July 11th, 1996. And uh, so I, I was going to read my question about, because I had a chance to ask him about the Billy Joel parody. And it was actually, it says, this question is from Joe and Nino. Nino was the nickname for my cousin, Anthony. And uh, it says, in parentheses, next to that, Prodigy member. <laughs> I actually asked him about two songs. I mentioned his uh, his Paul McCartney Wings parody in the last episode, Chicken Popeye, uh, which was a parody of Live and Let Die. I said, Al, why was it still Billy Joel to me and Chicken Popeye? Why were those songs never released on an album? His response was, those were concert favorites. I did the Billy Joel song before I had a record deal and before I came aware that you needed permission for parodies. And here's what he says. That song was a little mean-spirited and just as well that it never came out. And then uh, a tape of that started circulating th through the Dr. Demento show and and Billy Joel heard it. And they, they ha actually had got his reaction on camera listening to it for the first time. And he said something to the effect of, well, I guess people in L.A. don't have anything better to do with their time. And, uh, he, 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 it, wasn't, it didn't like bring him down, but he was just sort of like, oh, whatever, this kid. But I, that was the point where I thought, like, I don't want to like be mean to people. I mean, you know, you can be funny without tearing people down. He did. It's still Billy Joel to me. Uh, what's the matter with the songs I'm singing? Can't you tell that they're pretty lame? You know, he did it with, a, with an accordion. It was a real knock, but it was, he's funny. You know, you have to, you have to laugh. Got to finally meet Billy Joel, which was a... Uh, quite a treat. I was really nervous about it because I'd never met him before and I did have that song which was somewhat less than complimentary so uh, I wasn't sure exactly how to approach him on it but I introduced myself and apologized for it and uh, he was very nice, very gracious. He didn't hold any hard feelings then? No, he said he thought it was funny and Christy Brinkley flugged me in the mouth but uh, no, I'll just get it. I have a pitch for the, the second Weird Al film, right? The second Weird film which is Another alternate rock and roll story, which is that Weird Al was the one that sent Billy Joel into retirement and recording no, no more albums, no more songs, because Weird Al, you know, totally shattered his confidence. So it's still Billy Joel to me, sent him into this spiraling deep depression and he could never write again. Yeah. <laughs>
that's it. That's it. We we owe all of that just to Weird Al. I will say there were a couple things in the movie that I picked up on just be, from knowing a little bit about Al that I thought were I thought they were little digs that he they he threw in in the movie. The one I thought was really kind of funny was I don't know if you noticed, but for the best when he won the award at the end for best accordion, uh, you know, player in a you know a genre, you know, with a very specific genre, he beat Prince. And I don't know if you know this, but Prince is the one artist who famously refused to give him permission for years to ever do a parody. That's why there is no Weird Al Prince parody because Prince always said no. So is there any one song that you've wanted to do more than any, but you just couldn't get the permission? Um, hard to say. You know, it, it's really quite uh, the exception to the rule when somebody will turn me down for parody. Uh, most artists look at it as a, a an homage and, uh, and find that they've sort of sort of made it actually. Uh, but um, the, the only person who has turned me down over the years has been Prince. And I can't think of anything that that uh, recently where I wanted to do a Prince parody. But back in the '80s, there were several things that would have been kind of cool to do. But he, he just kind of never was into it. So I thought it was funny at the end of the movie that Al had himself beat Prince. I just thought that was there. You go. It was a nice little, you know. <laughs> Uh, there, there were a couple little things like that. I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but that one stood out. Oh well, you know, let's let's discuss a couple of the other things that are interesting about Al's comedic career, his his visual career. Uh, one is I don't have a lot to say on this, but I think it is worth, especially for Al fans. I mean, maybe this is what I'm trying to say here is if you you know you're you're thinking Al's been missing other than a few things over the last few years, you want more. I would go check out season five of Comedy Bang Bang. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Comedy Bang Bang is brand new and just got weird. I'm the new band leader. The hair. Va, 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 boo. The fashion. Ooh, ow, look at you. The voice. Going, 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 diggy, diggy, going. Hey! Going, 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 diggy, diggy. Oh, my. Wow, thank you so much, Al. Comedy Bang Bang, brand new, Fridays at 11, starts June 3rd on IFC. Al takes over for uh, Reggie Watts, who was the band leader for that show. And um, he, he Scott Ackerman is the host. Are you familiar with Comedy Bang Bang at all? Have you ever listened to the podcast or the TV, watched the TV show? So I know what it is, but I've never watched it and I've never listened to the podcast. Just something I'm familiar with, but I've never, I, I don't think I've heard two seconds or watched a minute of it. Well here's a synopsis of the show i think the the podcast is definitely worth listening to here's the problem is the the episodes can be really really long it's a comedy podcast and one thing i did a couple of years ago was i listened through all of the greatest hits of comedy bang bang i think the 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 heart of the show it's it's an improv comedy show so they're 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 inviting all kinds of comedians actors, uh, you know, significant people on, but especially people that can do improv. And so the beauty of the show is a lot of the people bring their own characters on. So like, like, uh, there's this, um, oh, what's his name? Um, <laughs> I can't remember his name. He's, uh, he's one of the prominent people on Comedy Bang Bang, but he, he does his own version of Andrew Lloyd Webber, right? You know, the musical, you know, the composer, and it's just this over the top, ridiculous, like parody of Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's absurd. It's just a, it's just ridiculous and it's hilarious. Lord Webber, welcome back to the show. Scott Trick, be quiet. I'm very excited to be here. Bursting at the seams and bursting all my buttons, bursting to the max. 
I'm very excited that I've made a new musical discovery. A new musical discovery? Yes. You know, I'm a bit of a musical explorer. Oh, really? I've uh, been around the musical world. A Lewis and Clark of sorts. Who? All right. I've made a new musical discovery. Now, this might shock you to know. It's an American musical art form. Have you heard of the genre of music called rap? <laughs> yeah, that's been around for a while, actually. And actually, Kid Cudi... He uh, sort of traffics in this genre. Yeah, I kind of like use hip hop elements in my music. Yeah, he's really good at it. I don't understand. Is, is, he's a large child? <laughs> no, Kid Cudi is, is also known as. I don't know what name. you're talking about. Yeah, this no, makes that no I'm certain. Sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, keep keeping quiet. <laughs> I'm very excited to announce I'm adding rapping songs into all of my pre-existing musicals. Oh, okay, so music. My noise is not finished yet. Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Sometimes, though, it's a real slog, right? So you're sitting there listening to, like, two hours of improv, and you're like, eh, okay. <laughs> like, it doesn't work, right? But when it's on, it's on. It's, it's, re it's really, really funny. But it doesn't always work. I mean, I, I love Scott Ackerman, actually, but it doesn't always work, and that's fine. Well, Al, for season five of the TV show, and the TV show is a very condensed version of the, of the podcast, he's playing the music, and he's also, he's, he's the sidekick. And it's really interesting because he, he's, he's a little more in the background. He's subdued. Every now and then he'll get a chance to do his own bit or his own skit, you know, like. Jerry Muldoon came from humble beginnings, rising quickly through the ranks of the stand-up comedy world with his hilarious and relatable observational comedy. I was on a plane the other day, and the flight attendant hands me this minuscule bag of peanuts. I was like, how many peanuts can possibly be in this thing? One and a half? His first album, Friendly Skies My Ass, was an instant hit, striking a chord with the common man. I love Derry Muldoon. He's just real. And soon, Derry was on his way to worldwide acclaim and fortune. I was on a plane the other day. First class. I'm talking champagne, four-course meals, in-flight entertainment. <laughs> it was great. But when his newest album hit the shelves, its subject matter failed to connect with his fan base. I used to feel like Derry was talking about my life. He lost touch. He lost touch. Derry lost his record deal. Audiences stopped coming to his shows. He soon found himself bankrupt and back where he started. But he emerged a year later with an hour of new material. Back to coach. Why do airlines serve those peanuts anyway? Is it to make us so thirsty we'll take out a third mortgage in order to buy one of their expensive drinks? It was a hit. Jerry's back! They, they do like fake parody commercials on the on the show. Sometimes sometimes the owl will do his own commercials and it's, it's funny, but it's just really interesting because it's like, oh, you know, I get to spend a season of TV with Al and I don't know. He just hasn't been present in the public in that way. So it's a few years old now. Uh, I believe it's available on Plex, which is like like I, I mean, who, who even knows what Plex is as a streaming service, uh, you know, but it's out there. Um, it's free. With commercials. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I would recommend go checking it out. It's not the most funny thing in the world. Uh, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm being too much of a comedy elitist, a snob, <laughs> but it is fun. And it's just great hanging out with Al for a little bit. Did you get the video I sent you of his, uh, he did a song with uh, on epic rap battles of history. Did you get a chance to check that out? I did. I loved it. That was great. That was one. Uh, that's, he, was, I, he was Sir Isaac Newton. He was Sir Isaac Newton, and he was uh, it was a rap battle with Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> and uh, yeah. oh, I, I thought 
it, it was amazing. I thought his delivery of his lines um, as it, as it, it kind of escalates, you know, and, and when he really yeah. starts going, like you really can see just how insanely talented the guy is. Well, I conclude that your methods are the whack. You wouldn't even pass in one of my classes. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Except for when we both start rapping. I accelerated the minds of mankind to a higher plane of understanding. And I can't calculate the weight and the size and the shape of the shadow of the mind you're standing in. And I will leave you with a page from a book I wrote at half your age three. But the integral feet, why do I from zero to one set the fire plug of eight? E of the square root of three, number 64, power of one. Just doing a, a guest spot on a YouTube channel. And he just gave it his all. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant. And what's that one song that he does where it's like so fast that there's no way that he like he rarely ever performs it live. Like the the, the lyrics are so incredibly, uh, you know, it's it's so amazingly fast. I can't remember what the name of that song is. They got but it was like he, he set out to write like the fastest song he could write with the spit out as many lyrics as he possibly could and then he, he you know he like composed himself into a corner he's like i can't even perform this like it's impossible <laughs> so the other one that you know the other thing that al did for a couple years and, and i i think i had told you about this you, you hadn't been familiar with uh, uh milo murphy's law right there you go. Yeah, I'm, I was so glad that you suggested it. That the very day you said something, I said to my son, I said, hey, you should check out this show on Disney+. Plus. And it turns out, you know, my, my kids, they love Phineas and Ferb. And so he checked it out. And then he was even like, he was raving about it. He was like, oh, this show is so awesome. So uh, he really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I was really happy to be able to introduce it to him. Have you had a chance to check it out at all? Yes. I mean, I, I would say I've seen like maybe three or four episodes of it. You know what? Maybe a complaint I have about Phineas and Ferb and, and this show, Milo Murphy's Law, is it just plunges into the absurdity. And and sometimes it's just a bit too busy. Like there's just a bit too much going on. And I just like, yeah, whatever. Four random things going on at one time and interconnected plots. I'm just, I get, I don't know. It, it's not always for me, but I appreciate their style. I appreciate what they do. I am a big Phineas and Ferb fan I'm like you know I'll sure, I'll, I'll, sure. I'll die on that hill I mean I absolutely love that show Milo's Murphy's Law what I would say is in a it's just kind of the show that it was on the Disney Channel and it, it sort of flew under the radar it was after Phineas and Ferb ended the creators made a, it wasn't a spin-off it was a completely new show but it's set in the same universe um it, it, there are crossovers with the same you know with characters from Phineas and Ferb if you like Phineas and Ferb, you will probably like Milo Absolutely. Murphy's Law. It, it's do I think it's as great of a show as Phineas and Ferb was? No, probably not. But it's really right. good. It's really funny, and it has very much that same heart to it. There's a, just a very similar vibe, and it's a shame because it only lasted a couple seasons. And I, you know, I, I was yeah. a little little bummed it got canceled because I uh, really really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. And Al, and Al sings the theme song. Yeah, he does. He does. Oh, that's great. Look at that sun. Look at that sky. Look at my sweater vest. I look so fly. Look at that mailbox. Look at that tree. It's about as beautiful as it can be. Whoa, today is gonna be exceptional. Never boring, even for a minute. It's my world and we're all living in it. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
It's good. Yeah, I mean, this, it's a really interesting show. And I appreciate the world that the creators of that show have, have made. And it, it's, again, it's just neat, right? It feels good. It's kind of comfort food knowing that Al is out there making things. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I would like to see more of it. Well, apparently Phineas and Ferb is coming back. Did you hear about that? Yep, I've heard about that. So maybe uh, Milo Murphy will make some uh, reappearances there. Who knows? Never know. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned something that you you briefly touched upon it that I would say is like for me, I, I would say UHF is up there for me for his like comedic contributions in the film world. When you showed me a few years ago his celebrity interviews, I just think those are some of the most golden stuff out there. I don't know what's happening. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's so funny, like how he did it. And he even mimics like where they're being interviewed. Like he'll have a similar lamp or he'll have a similar backdrop and it feels like he's in the same room with them. So that's some of my favorite ones. There is an interview. And, and I mentioned these are they're parody interviews. They're fake interviews where he has, you know, he's taken clips of interviews with celebrities and then he changes the questions. And but there is one he did with Paul McCartney. That is yeah. so insane and it is so out there and you watch it and you go, where on earth did he even find this footage of Paul McCartney? Yeah. Paul McCartney. Man, what a thrill this is. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Welcome. Our sure in Big Gara, the top of the morning. You can just say hello. Hello. Paul, you're acting stupid. Oh, I'm really sorry I do that sometimes. Now, what did I say? You start acting silly, and you don't get your cookie at the end of the show. Uh, uh, I'm okay then, just be good. Okay, you know, you go and you tell me what to do. I don't know what's going on. All right, cheer up. So, how's it going, Paul? Everything's vibrating, dude. That's nice. Before we get started, are you comfortable? Can I get you anything? Water. Okay. There you go. A nice cup of water for Mr. McCartney. Wait a minute. Am I paying for it? Uh, no, Paul. The first one's free. There you go. Drink up. There. Now, can I get you anything else? Beef. What? I thought you and Linda were strict vegetarians. Okay, okay. Beef coming up. Ugh. There. Now, are we finally going to do this interview? We're gonna do it, Joe. It's Al, remember, not Joe. It's perfect, and he 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 makes Paul look like an idiot. I mean, he really does. And but Paul's acting like an idiot, and it's just this goofy. It, it's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. And there's he's done with Billy Joel, and I mentioned the one with Madonna and uh, Celine Dion is so weird. It's just such a it, like it makes you kind of feel weird inside watching the Celine Dion one. <laughs> anyway, Celine, let's uh let's get caught up a little. How are things going with you these days? I'm always losing my boyfriends. I'm always crying. I'm always bare feet. I'm always miserable and I'm always crying and I'm always alone in the world. Wow. Sucks to be you, huh? It's all right because I know at home something's waiting for me. A big old chicken pot pie? Absolutely. Anyway, you probably don't like talking about this, but I hear you had a very traumatic experience when you were very young. Your family went on a safari one year and, uh, your, your parents were captured and eaten by cannibals. I could smell the cooking of my mother. <sighs> that must have been just horrible. It was fun. What? Great, great fun. 
Okay, moving on. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's Eminem. There's Eminem. Yeah, there's George Harrison. Uh, yeah, there's there's a there's a ton of them. Like that's that's a, a rabbit trail. You could go down just watching those for a day, and they're 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 amazing. When I saw him in concert in the '90s, he used those uh, in between songs on stage, and that's that's another one with the uh, the Madonna one with with, with the the line about her her sex book that i remember just kind of cringing you know as i'm sitting there you know at 15 years old like next to my mom <laughs> right well okay and so this is my we we touched upon this in the last episode and i don't know what to make of it like so like comedy bang bang it's not a kid's show right and al is such an interesting person because in some ways he's completely clean and yet He's demented, right? Like, you know, he has these disturbing songs. He he walks up to the like to the edge of like what is appropriate. And again, I, I guess maybe my my thoughts are, well, that's what all comedians do. Like we they exist in different realms, right? And so you know, you're gonna have a different side of yourself for adults than you are for kids. And maybe that's that's the beauty of it for me at least and i kind of like enjoying him in the different realms like his celebrity interviews like they kind of like you know like they're they're uh you know they're, they're, they go into some inappropriate areas you're not going to sit there and watch it with your kids or your mom necessarily yeah now again you know our background growing up you know we came from you know pretty conservative backgrounds too so which which you know made it probably even more awkward and uncomfortable for us than maybe the average kid uh, in the audience, but yeah, I do specifically remember like those two, a you know, couple moments of the concert where it got a little bit, just a tiny bit raunchier and right. like, uh, like right. shrinking back in my seat a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is going to get into some, you know, societal cultural, uh, uh, you know, uh, criticism here, but isn't it funny how we give him a pass when his songs are really violent. We're like, well, you know, it's just kind of this violent song. But then with the sexual stuff, we start to squirm, right? You know, like, <laughs> and that's just the way society is, right? I mean, it, like you said, it's kind of how we grew up, right? So it's it's just kind of interesting to watch it, right? I, I go back to it. There, there, I mentioned it in the last episode, but the, the song I remember, Larry, the the ending of the song where he drags Larry out in the in the woods and, and murders him, basically. There's a line at the end of it that just kills me every time because he. He, he he ties uh, Larry's mouth with a rag. And then uh, the line is, uh, if uh, if Lair were still with us today, you know, he'd have to admit it was a pretty good gag. And I thought, like, <laughs> the, 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 the double meaning of that just, it just, just gets me every time. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is a very good line. Yeah. Boy, what a joker. What a funny guy. I'll never forget Larry, no matter how hard I try. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's where I think his some of his social satire is actually the most important part, which is, you know, but it's a song about bullies, right? Yeah. It's a song about bullies and what they can do to us. And they send us to a certain place. And I wouldn't say that Al is saying we should go out and kill our bullies, but he is parodying. He's satirizing. It's revenge porn. It really yeah, is. Well, it's, it's, like, it's, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's all the ending of half of Quentin Tarantino. Well, three fourths of his films. Right. <laughs> well, you know, anything else, anything, any highlights you want to bring up from uh, from Al's, uh, you know, TV and film career? Well, I do have fond memories of watching Al TV growing up, you know, which was great. Um, you know, and it was uh, I remember like, you know, he would, he would like on top of it, like showing his music videos of his parodies, he would like 
the one thing I always loved, there was a clip and, and there's no way for us to play this on the podcast. You have to go to YouTube and watch this. But have you ever seen the Weird Al version of the Alanis Morissette ironic music video? Yes, that's very funny. It's great because it's just her video. It's her singing the song. But if you remember that music video, it's Alanis driving. And then there's like <laughs> like three other Alanises in the car. But he takes all those Alanises out and it's just Al. So like in the part where Alanis is sticking herself out the window, it's Al sticking himself out the window. It's just great. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yes. Yeah. This bringing me joy remembering it now. <laughs> so just stuff like that, you know, I love. And I, I did. I, 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 You mentioned not having any Al albums growing up. I did have an Al VHS tape growing up. I When I went and saw the cool. Bad Hair Tour, I bought the the bad hair videos and it was just you know it had like the music yeah. video for amish paradise which which by the way just worth noting i love the, in the the music video for amish paradise the end of the video where um the he's lip syncing backwards do you remember that part it's 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 amazing really okay. um because they've rewound the tape and they're they're playing the tape in reverse and yet somehow when Al is lip syncing, his lips still sync up with the song. I did a shot that I really haven't seen done before. Uh, I learned a portion of the song backwards and we filmed it backwards. We're all crazy men and living in an Irish paradise. So I had to learn the song. I had to go, see out a rape, shimon, and a nibble, see I take me the old Which if you reverse it, you hear actual lyrics. But you It was just one thing That's i always i always loved that um i think there's a there's a music video for the song gump which was his forest oh gump, yeah his forest gump version of the song lump yeah no i i mean i i i grew up you know with the videos the the music videos were what made me a weird al fan like years before i ever actually owned an album so i and again we kind of talked about that you know a little bit ago it's i think that the um you know it was a perfect storm, you know, the time and place for Al, you know, MTV mm -hmm. made Weird Al Yankovic. I mean, even like, uh, you familiar with the, you know, the kind of the great monkeys revival of the mid eighties where the monkeys episodes were shown on MTV and mm -hmm. the monkeys became popular again because MTV showed them. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the monkeys, they reunited uh, in 1986, they went out on the road and did a tour because MT the popularity from MTV. You know who their opening act was? Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I had no idea. Now, you're way more into the monkeys than I ever was. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I never got into them, but I, I remember them coming on, like you said, in that, that era, right? I, I, I love the monkeys. I interviewed three fourths. Uh, you know, Mike Nesmith was my white whale, and uh, I, I lost him. I'm never going to. Never going to never going to have that. It, it feels so incomplete. Oh, <laughs> but I did get to see him in concert a couple of times, though. You could always re record yourself in a fake interview answering fake and real questions. You could always do that. You could you could do a send up of Al by doing that with a, with another Mike Nesmith <laughs> interview. How about that? There you go. You have just inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> you should get Al to write it for you. There you go. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been looking for a project to collaborate on for a while now. So I'll I'll, I'll call him up. You know, I, I'm just this idealistic, you know, head in the clouds type of person. There's still a part of me that thinks someone's going to listen to this 
somebody that knows Al, right? And they're going to be like, Al, there's these guys that did a really great podcast on you. I know they would love to have you on as a guest. And and they're ever going to hear me saying these words coming out of my mouth. They're going to, they're going to, and Al's going to hear it and he's going to go, I love those guys. Yes. Actually, in fact, let's do a whole podcast series together. I'm going to invite them out to my house in California. And uh, yeah, yeah. There's a part of me that thinks this is going to happen, right? I, I want to like pretend. I want to pretend like that's going to be our reality. And he's going to bankroll our podcast too, because he believes in us that much. And, uh, and it's, it's a Cinderella story, really. It, we'll even end up in the, in the second film, right? We, we are part of our histories will merge and, uh, we'll, we'll live down in infamy as part of his story. Absolutely. It's going to hundred percent happen. You got to believe it, man. You got to believe. <laughs> uh, how, about, how about you? Any, any last thoughts on, on the, you know, Weird Al, uh, you know, Weird Al in media as it is. You know what? I mean, maybe my thoughts are a little more somber. I don't know if this if this makes sense, but I I think about artists, right? You know, like like let's let's take you two. We we've made fun of you two a lot lately because of like some of their moves more recently, like like redoing 40 of their old songs. Like is that a is that a worthwhile artistic move? You know, bands, actors, they get pigeonholed, they get typecast, like they're expected to be a certain type of person. And maybe what I'm thinking about with Al, like my reflection on him is, is I would just want him to do whatever he wants to do. Right. So I don't buy into the whole thing. Like, well, Al is a parody songwriter. That's what he does. Or he only does absurd, crazy humor. I just like, I, I want more of him. Like I'm, I enjoy him just like I enjoy my favorite actors, you know, like th there shouldn't be the parameters necessarily. So maybe that's my last reflection is, is like, Al, do whatever you want to do with the rest of your life. You know, we, I just want, I want to hear more of what's on your mind and your heart as an artist. Well, I know in recent years, he's started covering songs in concert that are not parodies. And I sent you a link of uh, somebody, you know, when he did this ill-advised, you know, self-indulgent thing a few years ago, there, there is a, a four hour video on YouTube that is every song that he covered on that tour. And I mean, yeah. like there's a, there's a, a cover of, of him doing James Taylor's fire and rain, which is a deep, you know, you know, beautiful, mm -hmm. somber song. Won't you look down upon me, Jesus? You gotta help me make a stand. You just got to see me through another day. My body's aching and my time is at hand. And I won't make it any other way. Oh, I've seen fire and I've seen and Al yeah. does a really heartfelt rendition of it. And 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 then there's him doing, you know, uh, I saw her standing there by the Beatles. And, and it's just all these different things. And I put that playlist on the other day and I was just enjoying the heck out of it. You know, just getting to hear him kind of. I remember the first time I ever heard Weird Al sing a song that wasn't a parody or wasn't his own was um, he. Uh, this is probably maybe eight or nine years ago. He got invited to perform at a George Harrison tribute concert. And he did a cover of the song, What Is Life? Which is one of my favorite George Harrison songs uh, from Beautiful All Things song. Must Pass. Yeah, great song. And Al came out and he did that song and he sang it straight. What if it's that you need? 
He just covered it, and I thought, and it was almost it was jarring the first time I saw it. I was like, like what's happening here? Like it 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 felt so foreign to me. And but yeah. you could you could see how how heartfelt it was and how much he enjoyed doing it. And uh, so I think it's really cool to see him doing that. I think it would be really interesting, you know. And again, I in my interview, I I had asked him that question: Well, will you ever do a serious album? I you know I I, I I'm he's a, he's clearly a brilliant songwriter. He knows music. He is a gifted lyricist. It would be interesting to hear. I wonder if Al on his own has ever written songs that he would just never perform publicly because it doesn't really work with his quote unquote audience, his his niche. Yeah, or, or his image. Yeah. 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 Um, Maybe an artist that's similar to him, but yet not, is Randy Newman. And like, I really like Randy Newman. I really like him. And he's funny. He's biting like, you know, he'll 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 like a surgeon, <laughs> no, no uh, pun intended there, but he'll cut to the heart of some some matter. And you're left like like going, oh, my goodness, what was that song about? Asia's crowded, Europe's too old, Africa's far too hot and Canada's too cold. South America stole our name, let's drop the big one, there'll be no and then he'll have he'll have serious songs too right like you know and, and randy newman's a, a composer he's done like toy story films lots of films and stuff. randy newman too he can he, he can make you laugh and cry within the span of three minutes <laughs> yeah i don't see why al couldn't do that if he wanted to right i just don't i don't you know i don't see why he couldn't write those types of songs too yeah the thing with al is al has a very naturally amusing voice yeah, his his, vo his voice sounds kind of funny, and yet when he really digs in, he's got pipes. I mean, he's really he has pipes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joe, this was fun going down this uh, this journey with you and even discovering lots of things that like I didn't even realize were there. So like this whole Weird Al trip has been great. So thanks for taking me on it and educating me along in the process. And uh, I, you know what? I wish I wish I could go back. I wish my 10, 20 seconds with Al was a little bit longer and there was no plastic there. But oh, well, I got what I got and I'm grateful for it. Well, when he comes on this this show, we'll have, you know, you know, we'll have two or three hours to, you know, to, you know, just, you know, dig into that mind, you know, and, you know, yeah. it, it'll be life changing for him and us, I think. Yeah, 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 it will be. Now, the question is, is if he does come on the show and we're on Zoom with him, does do we still need to put up plastic in front of us? <laughs> uh, you know, just just put saran wrap on your computer monitor and it'll be good. just to be safe, just to be safe. Right? <laughs> yeah. You never know. You never know. You wouldn't want to get a computer virus now, would you? Exactly. I wouldn't want to give one to Al. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'd love to hear from you. 
not only your favorite Weird Al songs, but what what sticks out to you is, you know, like, t- tell us your thoughts about the latest Weird uh, biopic, UHF, anything from his television years or performances. What what uh, what are your favorite Weird Al memories? What's what's the standout for you as far as things go? We'd love to hear from you and find us on Twitter. I remember as a kid watching, he had a Disney Channel special. I think it was called like Weird Al Going Home or something. His lyrics have touched hearts and bellies worldwide. And now, the Disney Channel is sort of proud to present his first world television premiere. With special appearances by family. I just don't know where we went wrong. And close friends. The only thing that really separates the two of us is my restraining order. Weird Al Yankovic. There's no going home. Exclusively on the Disney Channel. Disney Channel, huh? Well, then I better tell your father to put some pants on. Yeah, and and it was great. I remember loving that when I was a kid. But We should see if that's on Disney+. Plus. (laughs) <laughs> why not why should they keep that from us yeah well milo murphy's law is on disney plus so <laughs> there is go. there is a little bit of weird owl on there hey disney plus we're looking for sponsors <laughs> <laughs> i know they could use the publicity that's why i say that yeah you know hey i'm a i'm a former <laughs> cast member come on you know I'm, yeah that's, I, right. that's I'm, right i'm family i'm disney i'm disney <laughs> family come on <laughs> Yeah, there you go. There you go. You you heard it here. I used to carry luggage for people at the Port Orleans, you know, Disney uh, Resort. There, you know, I, I'm as I'm as I'm as Disney as it gets. Absolutely, you are, and they should respect that. They should respect that. <laughs> well, thank you to everyone listening to this, including Weird Al himself. We will see you soon in the coming weeks uh, for our next episode. But we're so glad you joined us here today. Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Nostalgic Future Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at nostalgicfuturepodcast at gmail.com. We may just read your letter on an upcoming show. Follow us on social media, Nostalgic Future Podcast on Facebook, and at Past Future Pod on Twitter. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review to help support what we do. Until next time, remember... The past is the only way forward. Anyway, just so I have it straight, you were uh, you were known as the stinky beetle, right? What? Or was it the cute beetle? I forget one of those. Anyway, um, what kind of music are you listening to these days? Do you like jazz or maybe classical? I don't like jazz. I don't like classical. I see. So, what kind of music are you listening to? Uh huh. John Tesh. What else? Sex Pistols. Mm hmm. Uh, then what? So, you have very eclectic tastes. That's good. Uh, speaking of music, I was just wondering have you heard my new album yet? That is probably the worst album, the album I hate most. Oh. Well, what do you think of my underarm deodorant? Hey! Yeah, I knew you'd like it. Anyway, let's talk about the old days. Now, I hear you used to be quite popular with the females. Not just humans, either. Uh, let's change the subject. Um, couple of quick questions. How much do you have in your wallet right now? You know, a billion. Wow. Impressive. 
hey, can I borrow five bucks? No, man. Okay. Um, so, Paul, being a famous bass player and all, you must have an incredibly well-developed thumb. Will you show us your thumb? Oh, okay. <laughs> Would you do anything I asked you to? Yeah. Would you paint my house? Why not? Would you shave my back with your teeth? I actually don't have that much a problem with that. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the show, Paul. You did a terrific job. Oh, did I? Yeah, you were great. And let me just tell you confidentially, you were always my favorite member of Wings. <laughs>